Please stand as you are able and comfortable. Our scripture reading is from Psalm chapter 78, verses 1 through 4 and 12 through 16. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from our children. We will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. In the sight of their ancestors, he worked marvels in the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zoan. He divided the sea and let them pass through it and made the waters stand like a heap. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud and all night long with a fiery light. He split rocks open in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Terry, for the reading of the word. There's a lot going on in the life of our community right now, so before I begin the sermon that I was prepared to preach this morning, I want to let you in on some of the context that's uh, influencing what I'm thinking about and the way things are phrased today. This morning I received a message from Jane Broderick. Some of you may be uh, aware because you're friends on Facebook or have been notified in another way, but our beloved brother in faith, Bill Broderick, has passed away. I give thanks that he is in union with God. That was where his hope lies. And I'm thinking about him as I talk about the matters before us this morning because he loved to talk about what he believed in. And so I'm, in a way, kind of offering this up in memory of him. I also want to share with you, if you're not before now aware, that our Brother in faith, George Fryer, is in hospice. And anyone who would like to go and visit him, spend some time with him, is welcome to do so. He's up at the hospice house at Concord Hospital, and they're all set up for that. So everyone is welcome. Finally, our sister, Norma Kane, went to be with God recently. And I wanted to let you know that as I've talked with her sons about preparing her memorial service, that that service is going to need a little bit of coordination because it's happening at a veterans cemetery, which is a regulated space. And so we only have a certain amount of time. But we do want to make sure to include anyone who would like to speak about the way that Norma influenced their experience of faith or their friendship or their time and community 
or just speak for Norma. So if that's something that over the coming days or weeks you decide you would like to do, please let me know so we can work together to make sure that those words are heard. Please pray with me. Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. I wanted to start with a quote from Jill Cranshaw. She's written a book about liturgy, which is the way that we all find words for worship of God, prayer words, praise words, lament words. Anyone can do it. This quote stood out to me this week. She wrote, Paying attention to our everyday lives with a curious spirit can reignite our own spiritual dreams and energies. Jill Crenshaw wrote something really interesting about curiosity. Paying attention to our everyday lives with a curious spirit can reignite our spiritual dreams and energies. She wrote this word, curiosity is important. It's different from nosiness or know-it-allness. The word curiosity actually comes from the same root as cure, as care. Somebody who's curious isn't just collecting facts, isn't just wanting to be in charge of the details. Curiosity is deeply tied to being invested in life. Caring, coming from a root of nurture, reaching out to know, to perceive and receive in order to give, to care. Paying attention to our everyday lives with a curious spirit can reignite our spiritual dreams and energies. The psalm that Terry read from for you today is a super long psalm. That's why we only took some verses out to read them in the worship this morning. Otherwise, we'll be here all day. What the psalm is for is it's a recitation of all of these ways in which God has been present to God's people. It's a listed out reminder, and it begins with the words that you heard. We'll tell. We'll tell the next generation. We'll share what we have learned. And then all of those experiences are listed aloud. It's not just a vow to share. It's a commitment and it's a practice of remembering and reciting those things so that we'll be ready. It's kind of a curiosity about how God has been for every previous generation in order to nurture and equip those who will come after with all the stuff we've already been through so you don't have to go through it again yourself. We've already made these mistakes. 
We've already experienced this kind of ignorance, and this is how God showed up and revealed love for us. We thought you should know so that you'll know how to look yourselves. And what's remarkable to me is that a lot of the examples that are being cited in the psalm are really everyday, ordinary things. There is a story about a throwdown between prophets and a bunch of bulls bursting into flames. There are stories about big, wild stuff happening, but in the psalm, most important stories are the ones about people at a loss, not knowing where they're going to find food for today, and God delivering it for them. Every meal is a reminder of God's love. It's stories about people wandering in the wilderness, not knowing what's going to come next, experiencing a sense of loss as community and not knowing what to hope for or what kind of trust can be established for future leadership, and God's self dwelling alongside, like smoke during the day, like firelight at night, so that God can always be seen. God can be known to be always present, no matter what the conditions are. It's just that, it's so plain being able to see God and know God is there, even while the answers are still unclear. Today we started worship with an opening prayer that was inspired by um, this quote from Howard Thurman. I'm secure because I hear the sound of the genuine in myself, and having learned to listen to that, I can become quiet enough, still enough, to hear the sound of the genuine in you. Howard Thurman goes on in this bit of writing to talk about how we can become attuned to the presence of the genuine, to God's love, to the Holy Spirit. We can become attuned to that if we are willing to meet ourselves from the perspective of God's love for us and to look at our own messy lives and see, honestly, the scars and the wounds, all the shortcomings. But holding them in the same space as our confidence in God's love for us. Taking those things together bear some truth. They become that sort of nurture and reaching outward, that curiosity turned on ourselves that can help us learn what the sound of God's voice is in ourselves. I wanted to share um, a story from my own experience about this, because however particular it is to my life, I think it wasn't that extraordinary a problem I was dealing with. It was when I was just beginning in college. And I was having an experience of being away from home and away from my family patterns. And outside of those patterns, with a resolution to be all kinds of things I couldn't be when I was in high school, I got a little bit overwhelmed. I registered for courses all over the course catalog. (laughs) 
I made a lot of messes, and I moved forward with incredible enthusiasm, but with also a lot of uncertainty and doubt, because I didn't really know who I was, or what about me was going to become important to who I was becoming. And over time, that struggle began to overtake everything else that I was doing and get in the way of me continuing to grow and move forward. And so I asked for help. Not immediately, of course. I'm not that mature a person. I waited until everything was really dire.、Um, <laughs> but it, there came a moment when I asked for help, and the person who showed up to help me was just the right person at just the right time. I hope that that has sometimes happened to you. And she said something to me I'll never forget. She invited me in the midst of the confusion of all of the different kinds of things I was trying to take notice of, all the kinds of things I was trying to serve with my life, all the kinds of people I was trying to be in the world. She said, Imagine that all of those different influences, all those things that you're struggling with and trying to weigh out, are different characters. Make them into friends. And when you've imagined that, look for the friend in that group who always wants what's best for you. And listen to what that voice has to say. Doesn't sound like it should work, but it does. I believe that in her own way, she was encouraging me with a model of how to begin to listen to the sound of the genuine in myself, to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit always with me. Our mission as a church is to recognize God's presence and to proclaim it for a skeptical and cynical world. I don't think when we're talking about sharing it with the next generation, we're exclusively talking about people younger than ourselves. We're at a moment in the life of faith in Concord, New Hampshire, where there are a bunch of people meeting God for the first time at every age and with every kind of life experience. There are people who are in that moment of uncertainty, not knowing which voices to listen to, not knowing if there is anyone out there who wants what's best for them, no matter what they look like on the outside or how long they've been in the world. These people, if they hear the good news, will become the next version of the body of Christ, the next chapter. Of this gospel that we've been writing. Our mission is to learn how to recognize God's presence and proclaim it for a skeptical, cynical world. When we learn how to turn this practice into more and more of our lives, how to integrate it in what we do every day so that we don't even know when someone might be observing good news in us. It's, it's making the ordinary holy, greeting the day. And it shows to the whole world how God's presence is with us, like a cloud in the daytime or a firelight at night in all of our ordinary moments. 
I haven't been here that long. And I, many of you I haven't known that long. But what I have received in your testimony and experienced myself about Norma and Bill and George is that they matter to us precisely because they were people who took their time to proclaim their faith in God's presence. That prayer matters. That questions and planning matter. That young people matter. Each of them in their own way had a curiosity that was rooted in care and they were a blessing to this church. They are a blessing to this church. And so whatever our rush of time and life has been in the week that has been, and whatever kinds of things are going to clamor for our attention in the week to come, this morning is new for me. I'm choosing to greet this worship like a new day, to recognize the holiness in it and the great privilege that it is for us to be together and together with God. Amen.